What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Irving. Today's guest is Andy. This is a replay from a podcast we did a little while back, but it was so good that I wanted to reshare it with everybody because it's a topic that I've gotten a lot of questions about. Growth, doing simple things on your menu, and how Andy started with a frozen pizza company. We don't get into that a ton, but we do touch on the fact that he actually started a frozen pizza company first and then moved into brick-and-mortar locations. Andy's Pizza, great story, lots to learn about how he deals with complaints, how he wins customers back, how he visits every single location to make sure that everybody's doing it right, and the importance of having a small menu, especially nowadays where things are really expensive, uh, employees are hard to find, and you really want to maximize what these employees can do for you and kind of shrink down your menu to make it a lot more manageable for yourself and your team, because that's the number one thing. Customers want it to be quick, they want it to be correct, and they want to know exactly what they're paying for. And you know what? The, uh, In my opinion, the days of having 150 things on your menu are long gone. It's way too hard to, to get all of those products consistently. It's way too hard to train your staff to remember how to do all of those things. So now's the time to manage your menu in a proper way. And we talk about that with Andy quite a bit. Today's podcast is brought to you by Pizza Cloud, the phone solutions and an internet backup designed to make your restaurant and pizzeria more profitable. The cool thing about the Pizza Cloud is it's got an internet backup so your phone lines never go down. You get more orders, you increase revenue, and you gain control over the call flow that's coming into your business. You can stay connected with the cellular backup, provides extra protection when your internet goes down. Keep your phones, web ordering systems, and credit card processing running smoothly because it has the internet, the cell phone backup. They also have a call center, which answers phones for you 24-7, 365, which is a great plus. Tons of great solutions for you. It's very affordable. Lots and lots of pizzeria owners that I know have used Pizza Cloud and have had great success. So if you want some more information on how they can help you, head over to pizzacloud.net. Get a quote from them and see how they can help you if your phone lines are constantly going down. Sometimes for us, we didn't even know they were down until it was too late. Again, Pizza Cloud. If you're looking to market your pizzeria, you have to contact MailShark. It's got to be your direct mail go-to company. Whether you want to get your menu in the hands of new customers or promote your pizza shop with a postcard, magnet, or one of the hottest direct mail pieces, they have these plastic postcards. MailShark will work with you to come up with the best marketing plan that fits your budget. And that's very important in 2021. MailShark gives pizzerias the ability to spread those mailings and payments out over a weekly schedule so it doesn't have to be all upfront money it helps you out lets you work with them to put those content pieces out and pay for it as you go thousands of pizzerias trust mail shark with their direct mail and printing marketing they are the best in the industry give them a call today 610-621-5116 or you can visit them at themailshark.com forward slash SPM to find out how they can help your pizza shop. They have so many options available. Again, 610-621-5116 or themailshark.com forward slash SPM. I just recently put a poll on my Instagram as well before I get into this episode about creating content for your business. For Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube shorts. Those are the three places that I would be spending a lot of my time. I just recently uploaded the 30-day TikTok challenge to our website. If you really want to dive deep into TikTok, which I think you should. Right now, if I was creating content for a pizzeria, which we do, my main focuses would be Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube shorts. 
In those three things, you can kind of use the same or similar video content on all three of them. So you're really only creating one piece of content and dispersing it in three different platforms for maximum exposure. I just did a launch for the TikTok 30-day challenge. You can go find it over at smartpizzamarketing.com. At the top will be courses. Take the 30-day challenge. If you're not really sure how to leverage TikTok or you don't know what you should be doing on there, this goes through day one through day 30. Gives you a lay of the land, how to produce content, how many hashtags you should be using, what kinds of videos are are performing well over on TikTok, some accounts that you should be following, some content ideas. What should you be creating for your TikTok account? If you're not on there, it's not too late, but it's getting close. So get over there and get going. And if you just need some ideas, go to the website, smartpizzamarketing.com. There's a free PDF download, 65 content ideas for you. You can download that, and then you have 65 free ideas on what you should be producing for your social media and content for your business. Go check it out. Appreciate it. All right, let's get into the show with Andy. I think you're going to like this one. All right, welcome back to the podcast. Andy is joining me. Andy, thank you so much. I know you're busy. I know you just said you got out of the bakery a few minutes ago, so appreciate you joining me on the podcast today. Happy to be here. Bread baking is done at noon. I got a couple hours before night service starts, so we got some time. Fantastic. And uh, I was kind of checking you guys out on Instagram before we got on here, and your pizzas look amazing. We'll share that in a few minutes. But before we get into that, Give us a little bit of a background about how you kind of got into the pizza business and how all this started for you. Yeah, I fell in love with pizza many years ago. Um, I guess I was about 20 when uh, I joined pizzamaking.com and I started making pizza at home. You know, I, I bought a stone, I bought a steel, I bought the peel, I bought all the equipment. I was making horrible pizzas. None of them tasted good, <laughs> inviting friends over. And, you know, it just it evolved from there. I still do that. I still make horrible pizzas and invite friends yeah. over for horrible pizza. Of course. Of course. Still do that. How long ago was that? Yeah, 10 years ago. And, uh, you know, I was at the time I was a DJ. I was DJing around Washington, D.C. And I went to work for some clients of mine who were opening up restaurants. And I learned a lot about the restaurant business. All in the meantime, making pizzas just every day, different yeast percentage, different hydration, different fermentation time, different, just learning, learning as I go. And uh, eventually we were able to open our own pizzeria. That's amazing. Pizzamaking.com is an underrated place to learn pizza. I mean, I know with Instagram and YouTube and, you know, Facebook groups, there's always places now, but pizzamaking.com is a place where a lot of people go and kind of just chit chat about pizza and like what they're doing. It's a pretty cool place. No, I mean, a lot of the greats have been there. And I mean, you know, he's passed now, but Tom Lehman used to post there and answer questions. Yeah. And uh, it was just a tremendous font of hobbyist knowledge. You know, it doesn't teach you uh, how to write a PL, but <laughs> no, it <laughs> but it's certainly helped pizza making. You know what? That's an underrated thing too, is like a lot of people, especially now with 2020, I've gotten so many people who have reached out to me or uh, through Instagram started kind of like some sort of pizza journey, whether that be a pop-up or out of their house because they got laid off or they couldn't go to work because they hadn't, their job was shut down and they're like, you know what? I've always loved making pizza. So I feel like it's a thing that people want to do because they see great pizzas on Instagram and they love pizza and they want to have a pizza business, but being able to make great pizzas, is a very small part of your pizza business. Yeah, totally. Um, and you know, there's also a lot of misinformation out there on Instagram and everything else. No way. You know, 
You mean you mean not every pizza place is successful that is on Instagram? Nah, not everyone. Not everyone. That's shocking. Yeah. And a lot of the how to make pizza articles. Not quite how you make pizza. <laughs> right? Making yeah. one pizza on your baking steel, which I love at home, is much different than making 500 pizzas on a Friday night with everybody coming in and out of your restaurant. For sure. And if that first recipe you Googled suggests baking soda in your dough, you're already on the wrong path. You're, 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 it's going to be another year before you get it right. Yeah, 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 right? I Listen, I always tell people because I get a lot of emails, hey, I want to I open my pizzeria. I'm like, you know what? I, I, fantastic. Like The more people, and I don't want to deter anybody from opening a pizzeria if you really want to do it, but I, along with making great pizza, you should like go work in a pizzeria for a few months because you'll definitely get a feel for if you actually like to do it or not. And then if you can make it and working for somebody else and you really like making pizza, then you'll be fine. You'll figure it out. You know, so I actually worked at a Tex-Mex place that sold more margaritas than they did food. Um, but I think one of the benefits to Andy's was me never working in a pizzeria. Really? Um, I remember the first time the reps came in. I, so our first store in, in Tyson's Corner, uh, Virginia, I had no idea what I was doing. I had only ever made pizza on a 12-inch baking steel and shuffled it in a little piece of I was like yeah I, I wasn't that great at an 18 inch pie I'm telling this landlord I'm the guy I can make 18 inch pizza watch this I'm buying dough from Trader Joe's I'm trying oh man my dough didn't work I'm trying to make it work <laughs> and uh you know it, it it doesn't always happen on that first try but as I was practicing in those ovens and learning I was coming up with what I wanted my pizza to taste like had I worked at a pizzeria previously, at least around here, I probably would have thrown it on a screen and run it through a conveyor oven. That's a good point. You know, you, you can learn bad habits going somewhere else, or we would have used dough trays instead of the dough bags we use, and we would have done no fermentation instead of three days fermentation. And, you know, so reps were coming in, the Grande rep, the Stanislaus rep, were coming in and saying, what do you, who makes pizza like this? I was like, I do. <laughs> it's great. I love it. That's a you know what that's a good point. Sometimes you can pick up bad habits from other people, or you know, make it feel like you have to do something a certain way. But you, you don't. You got to figure out your own way in your own path. How, so ten years ago is when you opened your first restaurant. Oh, ten years ago is when I made my first pizza. Okay. When did you open um, your first Andy's Pizza? We opened Andy's Pizza in 2018, December wow. 2018. We now have five. That's fantastic. And so in five we're in years, construction on number five. six. Yeah, that's great. How long, how long did you operate? So you went into it pretty green. You made pizza at home. You never really made pizza in a restaurant. You went from zero, zero to five locations in five years. That's a pretty good story. So prior to that, we had done, uh, I started a company called Eat Pizza. Um, and it was a frozen pizza company. Okay. And I started that out of Union Kitchen here in DC, which is a little food incubator startup. And we make 10 inch pizzas. We sell them to Whole Foods. We just signed giant food. And, but we did everything by hand. We, you know, we made the dough in the mixers, we made dough balls, we cooked them on little ovens and put some, you know, cheese and tomatoes on there and froze them and put them into a bag and put them into a box. And so that was really the start um, before the pizzerias really hit. And that's now doing about 15,000 pizzas a week. Wow. We manufacture up in Baltimore. And so Andy's pizza came from that. I was so excited about the connection with the customer when I started making frozen pizzas. And it was me 
I had a cooler behind me and a toaster oven. It's strapped to it. I'm walking into grocery stores. Hi, I'd like to cook your team some lunch. Can I cook your team some lunch? And they would pretty much always say, sure, come in and cook his lunch. And that was great. I felt so connected to the product. I made pizza every morning. I did tastings every night. And as it continued to grow and it moved into larger manufacturing and we, we sort of went to the next steps, we still make everything in-house. We do the dough from scratch, everything. But now I just get purchase orders for a full truckload. I never see a customer. We don't do the tastings like we used to. And I sort of lost touch with that. And I really miss the the customer the customer interaction. And that was when I started to look out for a second gen pizzeria to build a slice shop. Nice. What's the name of the frozen pizza company? Eat Pizza is what it is on the shelves. E-A-T Pizza. And are those sold everywhere? Like or just in your area? Um, we're in about five hundred stores now. So oh. a lot in the mid-Atlantic area. We're in Whole Foods southwest so if you're in texas or in any of those states down there you can find us but we're slowly slowly but surely we you know we never raise any money we're not in some huge facility yeah. we're still making everything from scratch so we're doing what we can what about boston but, you got any places up here nothing northeast yet we okay. we just got a distributor taking us up there but northeast is a tough pizza market man that's not where we want to spend our marketing dollars why is it oh because of new york and stuff you mean uh, or because it's of... everywhere up there yeah. it's, it's all very good so it's, yeah. it's tough yeah, we're, I mean, the Boston pizza scene's getting better. There's a lot more good pizzerias around here than there was 15 years ago, for sure. Um, but it is a tough market. I know New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, that's a really tough pizza market. They're very, very critical of pizza, too. Like, if you're, a, sure. you know, I've talked to a lot of people who have pizza shops in, like, Colorado, and they sell New York-style pizza. And they, they always tell me, there's always New Yorkers that come in and be like, this is a New York-style pizza. Everybody who comes into a New York-style pizza pizzeria i'm from new york my cousin lives in new york my uncle's in new york i've seen pictures of new york they'll come up <laughs> with any reference of new york to sort of validate their pizza knowledge right it's so true <laughs> it's so true about that you got to not call it new york style pizzeria you just got to call it like a pizza shop slice shop yes yeah, pizza slice shop come on in. so what was the first year in business like for you with the actual brick and mortar location i know you didn't have a lot of experience but how'd it go yeah i mean we had no money to open it and we put up a new coat of paint on the sign and i was cook and cashier all day every day but we got lucky we we're in a busy lunch market and that slice business kept it driving for us and that was where i learned a lot about average ticket and how many people would come in and just get one slice and one drink how many people would come in and just get two slices and a cup of water and doing something as simple as combo meal two slices and a drink all of a sudden that day it was our best seller turned around check average went up by three bucks because now everybody's getting two slices and a drink and learned a lot that first year on training staffing what it means to make 400 dough balls out of a mixer and start that fermentation process and that that first year is really hard you got to be really hands-on if you think you're not going to be there for 16 hours a day you're out of your mind yeah and when did the location number two open? Location number two it was about a year after that. And we opened two kind of in rapid succession. Um, one here in our Shaw neighborhood and one down by the Nationals ballpark right out front of the center field gate. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, for me, it was, it was about 
taking my strengths and carrying them through and finding someone who can help out, help out on the part that I didn't want to deal with. So our, our National's Park store, we partnered up with a brewery called Atlas Brew Works, their local brewery here. And essentially we built a pizzeria inside of their brewery. I never have to worry about bartending. I never have to worry about brewing beer. I never have to worry about the front of house service. We run the pizzeria. And so for me, getting pizzas out of the kitchen, I'm very good at that. Having 60 people making sure the guests are happy is a whole nother story. So right. uh, that really allowed us to grow as quickly as we have. That's great. And so from there, you're, you open four, five, and you have six coming. Is that what you said? Six, six is coming. Yeah. So what kind of crazy person wants to open that many stores? Uh <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely a, there's definitely a sickness there. I was I was talking to my uncle, and uh, I said, you know, I'm I'm building the pizzerias, and I, I'd like a few more. And he goes, "Who are you, Trump, sitting on top of your mountain? What do you need that many pizzerias for?" And and he's he's right to a certain extent, but you find when you're working in your first restaurant that you have to do absolutely everything. Yeah, you are the accountant. You are the front of house manager. You're the back house manager. You're the recipe developer. You're the everything. And as I've been able to get a few more locations and get some more revenue in the door, um, we're able to hire that team, like a sort of a cohesive team that can execute on a daily basis, alleviating that pressure from me. And, and I certainly didn't want to open a pizzeria so that I could work 16 hours a day. Right. You know, the, the goal is to love the business that you're in and to also have some freedom to go along with that business. So, I mean, that's the reason for multi-unit, right? It's yep. if you can get big enough that you can have a team to support you, then, then you have your life back. Do you have the team? So the team, sometimes too, you have multiple units because you do find great people and they want to grow too, right? If you do find great people, most of them have ambitions and they want to grow and they either grow with you or if you don't grow, they go somewhere else and grow with them. So sometimes you have to grow your company because you want to keep those people with you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, the restaurant I worked before, I told those guys, I said, open a pizzeria, open a pizzeria. No, 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 no. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. Now they look back and we go to lunch together. And they're like, ah, we should have opened a pizzeria. Know, you right? left. <laughs> okay. You opened like you, you opened them all. We should have been with, we should have been there right with you, but you're like, you're yeah. right. You never know what's going to happen. So, was it always the goal? I mean, obviously it probably wasn't the goal to have six locations or what was it your goal? Like what was the goal for you when you started a business was I think there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast and there's two different categories. There's people who want to open a pizzeria and they want to open as many as they can. And then there's people who are like, Oh man, I feel like I need to open as many as I can, but I just like my one busy pizzeria. Is that okay? Or do I always feel like I have to grow and open more locations? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I started with the Frozen Pizza Company and I had this delusion. I was, oh, this thing's going to scale and then it's going to be just like RX Bar. We'll exit and I, oh, I'll be on top of the world. That's not how that works. That's like winning the lottery. But I, I, the approach was, how do I want to spend the rest of my life? Yeah. And what is what does that lifestyle look like? What does my time commitment look like? And I made the decision kind of based on our current volumes for our footprint that wanted 10 stores and I wanted it to be intimate pizzerias where I get to see the guest every day where I can go in and cook. And so, you know, right now I visit each store every one day, every week and I'll go in and I cook at night and just 
work with the guys in there for an hour two hours so that I can, you know, keep my hand on the product and, and stay in touch with the guest. But yeah. for me, it's, it's 10 stores. It's that that's the level of corporate support and freedom that I'm, I'm looking for. We, I don't know if we described or talked about what kind of pizzeria is it? Can you describe like what kind of pizzerias you have? We are a New York slice shop through and through. There are six pies on our front window. There's two white, four red, um, 18 inch pizzas. We sell them by the slice. There's no variable sizes. We've got wings, French fries, and two salads. That's it. I love it. I love simple menus. Like that's my favorite thing in the world. I, I, it hurts my feelings when I open someone's menu and I see 125 items on the menu because <laughs> I know from experience how logistically hard it is to make all 125 items consistently good. And to keep them fresh. Yeah. How often are you turning that inventory? You bought some squid how long ago and you're trying to sell it on a pasta dish? I'm not yeah. sure that's really moving. I think that moving forward, the model is what you're doing, right? Like really good pizza, a couple, maybe a couple other things that not you don't need a hundred people, a hundred staff members to make consistently. And um, especially with the way that the employment pool is right now and people having a hard time trying to find employees. I think less you do better is better than doing more okay. If that makes sense. I totally agree. You know, people love our pizza, they come back and we we do get some requests from our regulars um for new toppings, new types, and as far as I'm concerned, mixing up my pepperoni pizza is running a Sicilian version for a while. And all of the, the hardcore pizza guys who come and see us all the time, oh, great new, great new product, great new product, thanks. They, oh, we're gonna have it for lunch today. They, they don't mind, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. They, they like what they like. I'm gonna show your Instagram right here. So if you're listening to the podcast, you're gonna have to go over to YouTube and watch the uh, video to see Instagram of Andy's pizza. Cause you do a great job of Instagram and showcasing what you do. Thanks man. Um, and your pizzas look pretty fantastic. If I do say so myself. Yeah. It's probably pretty good. Yeah. They do look if good. Right? Do you, so down. Yeah. you do good. You yeah, do a good really job good. of Instagram too. Sometimes I think that people get a little bit confused and maybe they do Instagram where they get confused because they think you need to do branding on Instagram, which you do, but you also want to showcase, I feel like Instagram should almost be a menu, right? Like you should be able to go to someone's Instagram if they're a restaurant or pizzeria and be able to see what I'm going to order or what I would like to order on their Instagram. And sometimes you go there and it's all random stuff and videos and there's no food. And you're like, well, how do I know what to order if there's no food on your Instagram? Yeah. I mean, so when we started on Instagram, um, my cousin is the one who ran it. And I think it's really important to have an owner run it. She's a partner over there in the Tyson's location. And that's the only way you get the feeling of your shop. If you find some intern, you find some, you know, someone who just doesn't really care or even know you that well, it's going to be hard to convey that through. And our shop is not super polished. I mean, we're, you know, we're very clean. We're very consistent, but those were not professionally shot photos. You know, how did you shoot those? Just on an iPhone? That's on an iPhone near a window. And those are pizzas coming off the line. What you don't want is to have some super manicured version of your pepperoni pizza. And when it shows up and has pepperoni stacked, people are like, oh, that's not the one I saw. You, you know, know so you know you don't want. I'm just going to scroll through your Instagram real quick before I, I say this, just to make sure you don't do that. <laughs> you don't. All right, good. You don't want your picture of your pe pepperoni pizza next to a tomato, an onion, and a pepper. <laughs> right? 
Like, yeah. Why, why yeah. do people do that? Why do photographers Super think that's staged. great? Yeah. Why do they think that looks like a good photo? That may be good for your want, menu, but it's not good for Instagram. Yeah. I want people to know what they're getting for dinner tonight. Yeah. I like it. Here's what I it looks like. like. It's in a box. Enjoy. Yeah, it's it's and you said you, the two things you need. Everybody always asks me, Bruce, what do I need to take good photos? You need a like you said, an iPhone and a window. You have an iPhone yeah. and a window and some sunlight, and yeah. you're good to go. That's all you really need. Yep. And then make sure that, like you said, you put your voice in there. Sometimes when people have an intern, like you said, or a higher company from outside to post, it's it's yes, the posting is getting done and you may get some interaction, but it's not necessarily what it's like to walk into your shop and kind of the vibe that you'd get. It's a different vibe on social media. Sometimes that vibe yeah. can come through, which is totally. I'm glad you're doing. Yeah. Um, how long have you, so do you use any other platform for marketing or is Instagram just the only one? So we uh, use Square as our terminal at all the stores. Yeah. And I got to say Square's database of pulling those emails has been absolutely exceptional. And anybody who's like intimidated by the email marketing, we just went through their platform and set up some little template. It takes me 20 minutes to like put a picture of pepperoni pizza and say $5 off. I mean, if your customers are loyal and they like your product, that is an extraordinarily effective form of marketing. You know, those people have been there before, you know, they're going to click to buy, you know, they live close. We did it for <laughs> election night. And in DC where we are, that's a very big night. Yeah. And at the time we hadn't set up order limiting yet. So what's order limiting? It just means that, that you can only place so many orders every 15 minutes. Okay. Right. So if a hundred people came to our page and try and order all for seven o'clock, I mean, we got two ovens. This is not going to happen. Right. So they allow us to kind of pace that ordering and how it comes in, which is we can get into it, but that's some of the problems I have with Uber and Grubhub. Some big promos run that we don't even control. And they just start flooding orders. For, they don't let us limit them. Right. Anyway, so we, we order election night and I'm thinking, oh, people, it's, it's COVID. You know, they're going to want to order and bring it home. We, at our absolute maximum, that oven cranking, maybe $1,800 an hour. That's like the kitchen is moving. Right. The first hour, we got $7,000 in sales. Wow. And that ticket printer is just spitting out tickets and spitting out tickets. And at that point, I'm like, well, this isn't going to happen. We can't do this. Shut down the website. I'm trying to call Uber, turn them off. They're as busy as can be. They're not picking up their phone. And it was a disaster of a night. So that's marketing gone wrong. Make sure that your team is staffed. Make sure that your ordering limiting is set up. And make sure you guys can be able to handle that volume before you offer everybody $5 off because it's a Tuesday election night. That's hilarious. And it's so true, though, because you're right. Like, I mean, a lot of the POS systems can do that, but you got to turn it on, right? Like you can throttle it. Yeah. But if you don't, you're going to get stuck, stuck in a circumstance where like, what are you going to call all those people back and be like, you know, what? I know you placed an order. Sorry about that. It's going to be like four hours. I mean, that's what we did. Right. So, you know, the team came in, we sat down and everybody who did get a pizza, we sent them a personal email. We said, I'm so sorry you didn't get a pizza. Here's a coupon for next time. We want to make it right. We want you to come back. And I'd say 98% of the guests were like so grateful. And these yeah. are people who like didn't hear a word one from us for two hours before they found out that they weren't getting food. Every other restaurant's bogged down. So now they have to eat whatever's in their cupboard tonight. I mean, there were some very unhappy guests. But I always tell our team, 
there is some way to buy that person's happiness. If they've waited two hours, maybe you buy them a pizza. Yeah. Or maybe their family of four needs to come in and have dinner with Andy himself. And then <laughs> they're happy. I mean, whatever it is, right? There is some level of I'll take care of you that makes that person happy. And us being able to have, you know, four and a half stars or five stars on Yelp at all the restaurants. Like that's where that comes from. Yeah. I totally agree with that. We used to tell people. So I used to tell people, our staff be like, you know what? There's three things you can do. You can give them a discount for their next order. You can give them the order for free, or you can give them a next order for free. Like you're it's your Liberty, right? If someone calls up and they're really being an a-hole and they're really pissed off, like those are the three things you can do. Give them their food for free. Who cares? Like if it's a $30 order and food costs, it probably costs you $15 all said and done, like, all right, we lost $15, but at least that customer is going to be happy because they got a free order. And to them, they got $30 worth of food, which only costs us 15 and they're super pumped about it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's easy to do, right? You just say, hey, your order's free. You being a jerk? Here you go. Yeah, here you go. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, how many, people took you up, how many people took you up on the dinner with Andy? Uh, <laughs> we didn't have to resort to that, thankfully. Oh, Boy, there'd right. be a lot of dinners. Um, we, we have taken some of our, uh, frequent flyers out. We had a guy who I swear it was in the first like 14 months of us being open. He came to us for lunch every day. He spent $10,000 Wow! and he was the first customer to hit that number. Of course he was the first customer and he actually brought in his credit card. That's hilarious. And we took him out to steak lunch Him and his wife. Was he pumped? He's pumped. Yeah. It was a great time. And he's like, it's not as good as a pizza. I'd rather be at the pizzeria, but you know, that was great. That's awesome. I mean, listen, to spending $10,000 for, if you come in every that's day, for lunch, that's a lot of money. Yeah. That's a lot of shout support. out to Mike Ricasi. He's the man. Is he, is he still coming in? Oh yeah. He's there, he's there most days. That's fantastic. And Mike, Mike, you know, he's sort of a VIP customer. So he likes to group text my cousin and I, my cousin Emily and me and, if he's got an order coming in a group text then we'll get it taken care of for him. He don't want to get on the website, you know? Ah, nice. I love that. So yeah, I mean, I love email marketing too. Back to that. I think that it's a great platform. And I think the thing about email versus social media is people generally keep their email address for a while. Like they're not changing names or platforms or attention for maybe it's Instagram today and it's TikTok tomorrow and it was Facebook last week. You know, when someone gives you their email and they order with that email, they're probably going to use that email address for a long time, which means you have the information that you can contact them. Like you said, if you haven't heard from them in a while. Yeah. Versus I mean, you know, for media. us, it's making sure that they they can make that buying decision right off the bat. Um, we don't really send out a ton of information. You know, some marketing companies will tell you, oh, they they want information on your staff and they want information on your process and they want information on you. And that's nice for Instagram and telling stories. Yeah. You send someone an email, give a couple dollars off. They'll yeah. buy it. Just give them a couple dollars off. Like give them an incentive to actually come in and experience yeah. again. Yeah. People don't want that information. Like you said, they don't want to hear about your staff in an email because they're just going to delete it. But if you, I do, I think you could do two things with email. You could do offers off. Or you could do like location information. Like if you have information about what's happening in your area, maybe with other restaurants or other places that are kind of not in your category, but in your area, you could give them information about that. Or the discount thing works really good with email. Yeah. Yeah. And you probably don't want to do that with social. You don't want to put discounts on social. You want more branding there. Yeah, totally. You don't want to seem like a discount shop give it, has to give it all away on Instagram. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that looks weird. 
you don't want to do that. Well, um, where did you, so you, how long have you been um, making pizza for in your shop? Like, does your recipe change or do you have a set recipe and like, that's it now? You know, I tell you what, that is one of my mo the most frustrating things about um, the average customer is I think that our product is going to change and evolve yeah. um, indefinitely. I am always trying to improve the crust and, and, and improve the bake and improve the toppings. And when we make changes, you know, our, our regulars know, oh, you don't have to change. It's already great. It's already great. Well, someone's going to come zooming right by me if I don't right. keep getting better. And so once a month, I try and sit down with, with each of those six pizzas and eat through a slice and just see what I would change. If I was the consumer coming in to like grab this slice, I got a pepperoni slice, it was reheated. You know, was the bottom overdone? Do we need to change our reheat technique? Uh, how did that secondary cheese melt? What was the flavors like? Did it need salt? Did it not need salt? Did he oversalt it when he salted the sauce? So kind of going through these things um, has helped me evolve our product and really improved it. Our product is totally different than day one. If you scroll to the bottom of our Instagram and you scroll to the top, you're gonna be like, oh, it's not the same pizza. And wow. it's not. How do you keep it all organized between the different shops? <sighs> keep all what up organized? All the Everything. recipes? Yeah, all the recipes. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. Do you it's... make the dough at one place or does each shop make their own dough? Well, thankfully we have one place to make all the dough. The home okay. store in Tyson's makes all the dough. And the logistics of that was initially brutal. But when we got big enough, I was able to call US Foods and say, hey, US Foods, I need you to handle logistics. So when they drop off ingredients at Tyson's, they pick up the dough and then they store it at their warehouse and they, they run it to the other stores for us. Oh, wow. That's great. Um, super helpful, right? Because I'm, I'm not in the trucking business. I'm not yeah. in the distribution business. I don't want to spend that money and it doesn't make any sense for me. Yeah, because I was no. talking to you. I don't know if you're familiar with Auto Pizza here in the New England area. Anthony, he's spoken at the Pizza Expo. Anthony, um, he's from Auto Pizza. They have like 13 locations here in New England. And I was recently, he has a dough commissary that he opened up a couple of years ago. It's pretty close to where I live. So I visited it and it, it's fantastic. He, he makes all his dough there for all his locations. Um, but he always tells me, Bruce, I wish I never did this. Because he <laughs> makes all the dough there and they have to ship it to each individual location. Like he ships it and he's like, it's, it's easy for each, the shop, like the shop it's easy for, but for us as a company and as logistically like trying to figure it out, it's like, it's a nightmare. It's just not easy to do. And I wish I never did it. So every time somebody emails me and he's like, Bruce, anytime anybody ever emails you about a commissary, just eat, tell them to send it, give them my email and I will talk them out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, really? We've, we've loved it. Yeah. We've, it's helped so much. And it's allowed us to go into spaces that we probably wouldn't have gone before. I mean, you know, our, our store in Shaw is like 700 square feet. Yeah. I don't have room for a mixer and flower storage and dough trays. And I, I just we don't have the space. Um, so having that centralized location and using a logistics company to handle our logistics, that's anything I've learned, don't be in the business you're not. Don't be an accountant. Hire an accountant. Yeah. Don't Maybe don't he, be a lawyer. Don't negotiate your lease. Hire a lawyer. It's right. just that's the best way to do it. Anthony, call Cisco Foods. Oh, Cisco, <laughs> is that who he uses? If whoever whoever podcast, he uses. Yeah. Tell him to help you out with that delivery process. I think that's what's making him frustrated is the delivery thing. But it seems like you kind of negotiated that with your vendor and says, Hey, listen, help us out with this. You're already going to those stores. Might not take our dough with you. And they're already delivering. I mean, you know, they deliver to our commissary. Right. 
to throw it on that truck. Make us the last stop. Make the yeah. truck cold and, and throw it. Yeah, that sounds easy to me. <laughs> easy. Yeah, right? But I'm not doing it, so yeah. it sounds easy. But it's yeah. obviously, like everything else, and Instagram specifically, it always looks easier than it actually is. <laughs> for sure. What's the future hold for you guys? You're going to have 10 locations. When do you think you're going to hit those? 10 stores. Um, you know, six is under construction right now. We're looking at a few other leases. Um, it, it could be up to five years, I think, to get those done. Um, it's really important to take your time and find the right spot and the right deal. You know, you don't want to pick something that's not going to have the right amount of visibility or or the right layout or anything like that just because, you know, you had some incentive to do so. So over that process, we will uh, we'll get it done in at least five years. And then we're making some big changes in the kitchens coming up. Um, we're we're changing from Baker's Pride to Italforni at all of our stores, which was a big investment um and has come with its own enormous set of headaches but we are sorting that out and uh the pizzas are coming out incredibly consistent and still with that that signature stone cross so we've got some we've got some big changes to make at the shops what do you, do you think it's what do you look for in a location so you have five locations now and you're opening your six like what do you look for in a location in order to make it you know successful and feasible I, we look for traffic i mean you know our first store is in a mall in a very busy corporate district that just gets hammered for lunch. And yep. we have a great happy hour business over there. Next one is in front of Nationals Ballpark. There's an obvious reason for that. Right. The next one is across from 930 Club, which is a big concert venue here in D.C. in the nightlife district. Um, so <clears throat> we try and find these locations um, that have high foot traffic and obviously everybody wants those locations but right. it's right time right place man someone's going to go out of business and you just got to be there to catch it when they do i love it what so the question i had before i forget what i was gonna ask you oh 2020 so how did 2020 affect you guys 2020 started off tough yeah. um you know first door closed i was really able to stay open but there was a <clears throat> there was a lot of trouble in dc as the, the whole country is aware we had a lot right. of um shutdowns national guard takeover of the city there, there were a lot of just very scary things happening here um and when we came back online our stores that would do 20 30 thousand a week were doing three four and five thousand wow and that was like oh boy what are we gonna do now yeah um luckily you know it did after a few months and things settled in it, it did come surging back i mean pizza became the food um because it delivers so well and it carries so well we had our fair share of trouble with third-party delivery drivers right but um we came back strong and i think that <clears throat> at least for me it, it brought a lot of opportunity um in our area there, there's certainly like restaurants per capita there, there were too many restaurants and some people went out of business and, and we were able to find some some good lease deals you know, we were trying to make the best of the situation. Landlords were desperate and there was great second generation space available. So we were able to capture some of that and we got two stores out of it. That's great. I mean, to make the best out of a bad situation is always something you look, you look for. Now, you know, we're lucky in the pizza industry and in the pizza business itself. Like you said, not only was it 
does pizza we were all like most of us if we didn't deliver to add delivery it's pretty simple right you get some boxes you get some delivery bags you either get a third party or you hire a couple drivers i mean i'm making it sound super easy but other <laughs> but you know it's it, it's it is way easier for a pizzeria to start delivery and implement that system than it is a, a sit-down restaurant that's used to having people come in and sit down at their restaurant and order drinks in order to make it profitable like we're in a different category it was super easy for us yeah, I'm glad I wasn't a steakhouse. Right? Like you couldn't open for months. And even now, like, you know, even now where I'm in Boston and not everybody's super comfortable going out to eat all these months later. For sure. So, I mean, pizza, we lucked out where we're in the pizza category. And not only is it easy to deliver, but it's comfort food for people and people are used to getting it delivered. So it wasn't, it wasn't something that they had to think twice about to get a pizza delivered. Just like, I'll just get a pizza delivered. Not like I'm not going to get a steak and potatoes delivered. It's, not something you, you're used to yeah so, yeah for sure was there anything that you changed in your business because of 2020 that you're gonna and you end up keeping uh no i don't think so i mean we're, we're a pretty standard shop it's pretty simple um our focus is always gonna be on quality there were a lot of people competing on price in covid we had local chains doing two for one deals and stuff right our focus was extended fermentation on the dough at least three days, the correct cook in the right ovens, the best quality toppings we can get. Um, you know, our, our grande cheese, grande cheese doubled and all cheese doubled, all cheese doubled. But when expensive grande doubled, it was even harder. But I said, we gotta, we gotta stick with it. We can't be the guys who cut quality. We can't be the guys who go discount. Um, People come here because we make great pizza. And right. if we stick to that, we're going to be all right. Are you going to Pizza Expo this year? I am. And I actually just got the call this morning uh, from my grande rep that we are officially entered in the uh, competition for the traditional category. Nice. So we'll what's see. The, we'll see if we bring home the gold. What's the traditional category? Just cheese? Yeah, it's a limit on toppings. Uh, yeah. We're going to go for a margarita pizza. Yeah. Very happy with our margarita pizza. I, you know, I, I got to reach out and see what the rules are. I mean, you know, I think it's a limited number of toppings, but does olive oil and Parmesan count as a topping or is that, that's you know, a good question. sauce doesn't, I mean, sauce is just, that's the base. So I'm going to we'll give see. you a little, I'm going to give you a little insider tip here. So what I was got? a judge at, I was a judge okay. for of the traditional category in, uh, I guess some cash for you after this, I guess. Yeah. Cash. I'll never get asked to judge again after this, but whatever. I don't care. <laughs> It was fun while it lasted. I was a judge for the traditional category. I think it was obviously before 2020, 2019 in uh, Atlantic City. And I don't know if I was a traditional. What are the categories? There's traditional, non-traditional, and then what? I think there's regional, and then they do some, you know, chopped style. Here's a random ingredient. Make the best pizza you can. So maybe it was traditional then, and you could only have like one or two toppings or three toppings or something like that, right? Yeah. Nobody did cheese. Nobody. It was like one cheese pizza, and I'm telling you. All of us judges, I'm spilling the beans on the podcast right here. All of us judges were like, the next person who brings the cheese in here is going to win. Because everybody was like overthinking it. And they were like, all right, I can use three toppings. I'm going to use the three toppings because someone's cheese is just going to be plain and basic. And, you know, if they do a plain and basic pizza, I'm going to lose. But all of us judges were like, why isn't anybody doing just a really good plain cheese pizza? I mean, that's did, how you test a pizzeria. You yeah. go in, you try their, you want to try a new brewery, go try their lager. You want to try pizzeria, go try the cheese pizza. So um, that's what we were thinking as judges. This was two years ago. Maybe things have changed, but we were like, listen, we were just waiting for someone to bring us a, a plain, 
great cheese pizza. And nobody really did. Everybody was kind of like overthinking it a little bit. All right. All right. We might consider that. I might go in the pizzeria tonight and, and do some tests. Yeah. I mean, like do you said, tests. I always, if I'm checking out a new, unless they're like a pizzeria, like there are some pizzerias out there that are, I don't want to say gimmicky, but like their thing is out, out of the box pizzas. Right. And like, that's yeah. a different thing. Our but thing is cheeseburger pizza. Right. That's fine. Right. You know, I don't judge you on your cheese if your thing is something different. But most, for the most part, pizzerias, if I go into a pizzeria, I'm only trying to cheese, maybe a pepperoni pizza to start. And if that's good, then I'll give you a shot at other things. Yeah. Or Otherwise, not. I'll just keep eating cheese and pepperoni because that's what I normally eat. That's true. That's usually what yeah. I – you're right. I don't give you a – fuck it. I don't give you a shot. <laughs> I'm not giving you else. a shot. No. Yeah. no. Thanks for the cheese slice. Yeah, I'm going to come back for that same thing. You're right. I like the plain <laughs> cheese pizza. That's my go-to. I, I always – there's not a lot of people that are doing a great plain cheese. It's it's easy looking, but it's actually pretty hard to do. Come to Andy's. <laughs> Definitely. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check you out. Speaking of coming to Andy's, where can people go check you out if they want to follow you online or say hello or if they're in the area? Well, we've got Instagram at Andy's Pizza on our website at andyspizza.com. And then, you know, we've got stores in the D.C. area. We've got Shaw and, you know, Nationals Park. We've got Noma. We've got Tyson's Corner. So wherever you are in D.C., you can order an Andy's. So come see us. Excellent. Andy, thank you so much for hanging out with me on the podcast. It was very fun Happy to Happy to be here. You. Good thank luck. Thank you very much. Good thank luck you. at the, uh, the competition this year. I'll call you if we win. Yes, please do. Let me Send me a picture of the pizza that won. <laughs> the, the cheese? The cheese yes. pizza that won? I want won. to see a cheese got pizza it. that won. God, will do. All right. Thanks, Andy. Don't go anywhere, but thank you so much for hanging out with me on the podcast. You got it. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. Appreciate you hanging out with me here today. Again, if you need some ideas, if you want to go check out our 30-day Instagram or TikTok challenge, or you want a free PDF of 65 content ideas, you can do that over at smartpizzamarketing.com. You can also find the show notes for this episode over there as well. Hit me up on Instagram, Smart Pizza Marketing, on TikTok, Smart Pizza Marketing, and The Bruce Irving. That's your jam. Otherwise, have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you next time.